Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, welcome into another winner's edition of the Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing podcast. This time, it was the biggest win we've had in I don't know how many years. I think it was 1997 when we beat Rutgers 52 to nothing. Shout out to the Pride of New Jersey, where I'm from, but that was a huge win, and not only was it a huge win, it got us to 10 wins for the fifth straight year, and if you were so bold as I was to bet Notre Dame over nine wins, congratulations. Go pat yourself on the back, go tell, I don't even know who it is, Bill Connolly to go fuck himself. Uh, anybody who said Notre Dame's going seven and five, eight and four, whatever that n- nonsense was, go go tell them, go shit in their hat. Notre Dame got to ten again. Like anybody who actually watched this team and paid attention to this team saw it happening. Now, did it go the way exactly as I anticipated or predicted? Not quite. But the fact of the matter is. Despite all the things that have been going on, Notre Dame got to 10 wins again. And you can cash in on that Notre Dame in the over nine wins. So congratulations to those people. I'll be waiting to collect my funds from my good friend, Beef, who had to make that bet for me because I'm not in a state I can do it in. But, all right. We got to 10 wins. We're going to talk about it, but first, got over got to go over the college football landscape real quick, but I'm just going to say it now. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. All right, so if you look at college football as a whole, there were zero close games, and maybe Alabama, you could say, was a close game, but here's the deal with Alabama. Yeah, it was closer than you might have anticipated, or maybe you did think Arkansas could play with Alabama. I don't know. But Alabama is going to tell you who they are when they play Georgia in the SEC championship game. It's that simple. I'd, I'd be If they lose to Auburn, I mean, shit, cool. But uh, I feel like as long as Alabama wins right now, we're not learning anything. But that's the way I'm looking at it. But everybody else, Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma State, all won huge. All won just, not even a question, just dominating wins across the board. Regardless of the opponent, okay? Forget who the opponent was in each game. They won big, and 
with that in mind, it's not Notre Dame doesn't stand out. Um, pro, oh, I, I skipped Ohio State. I'm retarded. Ohio State won too, by the way. I, I don't like Ohio State, but I gave I skipped over them. Yeah, the reason Notre Dame didn't get a lot of attention. I mean, Georgia beat up on nobody. Who cares? Cincinnati beat SMU. Eh. Uh, Michigan beat who the hell was it? That don't matter. It's Michigan, but they won big. Oklahoma State, shout out Texas Tech. But Ohio State beat Michigan State. And Michigan State was ranked 7th at the time of the game. And it was 49 and nothing at the half. Better than our 45 to nothing at the half versus Georgia Tech. So, yeah, Ohio State got a little more attention, which is unfortunate because you went 55 to nothing on senior day. And we'll talk about that. You get all these players in the game. Like, man, I can't wait to... See where Notre Dame jumps up to, and the answer is not very far because everyone else pretty much did what we did. It kind of gets glossed over. Unless you're Oregon and you lose in embarrassing fashion to Utah to explain why you shouldn't be the number three team in the country. I wasn't really ever sold on Oregon, but they did beat Ohio State. That was in the beginning of the year, and Notre Dame falls falls into this category as well. We're not the same team we were that we played against Florida State and Toledo and so on. We have dramatically improved. And you could say it's the teams we've been playing. But not giving up touchdowns, scoring 55, well, we scored 55 points. But it wasn't, the offense didn't score 55 points. The defense helped us a little bit there. But Oregon kind of never really got better. Ohio State got better. Um... You know, for a while, I didn't think Cincinnati got better. You know, and, and we'll talk about that too. Notre Dame's going to fall probably number six right now in the new rankings, okay? And you look forward, like, what, where's, what's going to happen? How is Notre Dame going to get in? Well, Georgia has to, play, has to play Alabama. You need Georgia to beat Alabama, assuming Alabama only has one win entering that game. That puts Alabama two losses. They're out. Ohio State's got to play Michigan this week. The loser of that is out. Probably Michigan. So that leaves Georgia, Ohio State. Now you got two spots for three and four. And who am, I, am I missing somebody? I feel like I'm missing somebody. Um, but you, you really have two spots left. And how are they, they going to put Cincinnati in? I mean, if... If they're undefeated, I don't know how you don't. The team that could give us trouble in terms of us getting in or not getting in could be Oklahoma State, depending on what they do. We really need Oklahoma State and Oklahoma to somehow beat each other up. And then there's no choice out, and Notre Dame is the number four. But if it ends up somehow being between Notre Dame and Cincinnati, I mean, you could argue... As they said last week, put watching the games aside, and I kind of hope they do that because if you don't pay attention to what happened on the field, at the end of this season, Notre Dame is going to look like the better team than Cincinnati. And you can't fix it. We lost. We made mistakes. We shot ourselves in the foot, and we lost. Cincinnati did fine. They did what they were supposed to do, but if we played them again today, I... I'd bet Notre Dame to win. Like, that's just what I'm watching, what I see. 
So put the games aside. You know, I think that gives Notre Dame an edge, and they may they might even be setting that up. Not so not necessarily for Notre Dame, but to keep Cincinnati out. They're gonna put these watching the games aside. Don't watch the games. Here's what we think. Here's what we saw, and whatever. All right. The fact of the matter is, Notre Dame will probably fall into six tonight, and we still need help. It's it's that simple. It's that. And I don't know what the hell NBC was doing, by the way. The the, the simplest path for Notre Dame. Um, they made that not as simple. They're like the, the simplest way to do math is calculus. And let me show you. <laughs> I don't understand. They made it way harder than it needed to be. It's pretty simple. Georgia needs to beat Alabama. And Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have to beat each other up. That's it. That's that's it. It's done. Because, again, Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma, Ohio State and Michigan are going to beat each other. It's One of those teams has to lose. The other team has two losses. They're done. But Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, like, because Cincinnati's still in this mix. That's the problem. You know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma will play. One of them will have two losses, but the team with the one loss will still, they're the Ohio State in this situation. But right now they're both behind Notre Dame. We need them to stay behind Notre Dame. So they need to beat each other. One needs to beat the other in the Bedlam game, and then they I think they'll play each other again in the Big 12 championship, and then the other one needs to win. So they need to round-robin that crap out of that. And then it's almost a, a foregone conclusion Notre Dame will be one of the top four. You know who will not be one of the top four? The University of Texas. They lost again. So I, I have to throw it out there. I'm in Texas, and it's hilarious. They think they're so great, grand, and wonderful, and they're 4-7. and seven. Again, stick to monkeys and strippers, guys. You're better at it. You're just better at the monkeys and strippers thing. I mean, just get a pole on the sideline for the pole assassin and call that your football team because you're way better off. If you think you're going to the SEC and going to compete, and you can't beat Kansas. I don't care what you think recruiting is going to do for you. I like oh well the SEC you're gonna get better recruits. That's just you once you go to the SEC, all the recruits come to your school and you win all your football games. Well here's the thing. You're you're supposed to be one of the premier programs in the Big Twelve. And you can't beat Kansas. So you're gonna to go to the SEC, which fair, you might get better recruits. But you know who also still gets the good recruits? The rest of the teams in the fucking SEC. <laughs> they're, not, they're not all of a sudden going to go, well, goddamn, Texas is here now. I know they just went, whatever, they're going to finish 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, who cares? It, they're going to go, wow, God, I should be going to Texas. I shouldn't be going to Alabama, who keeps winning football games, or Georgia, who keeps winning football games, or even Texas A&M, who keeps winning football games. I should, or LSU, I shouldn't go there. I need to go to Texas. Because they're now in the SEC. Dream on. They're gonna, they're gonna be hanging out with freaking Tennessee and well, they're on the up too, kind of in a way. But they're not gonna do shit in the SEC, and it's gonna be hilarious, especially living in Texas, watching all this burnt orange, hook 'em horns crap. Yeah, saw them off, horns down. But you know who did make ball eligibility? And let's just, let's just clap it out. All right. 
Good job, North Carolina. You're bowl eligible. Well done. It only took you 11 games. I mean, I don't know if that's good or not. Notre Dame's been bowl eligible since game seven. So, but yeah, hey, you're six and five. You, you beat my prediction. Well, my season prediction was you were not going to be better than eight and four, which you are not. But I, after you played us, I tried to guess that you would go five and seven because that would have been tremendous. But it looks like six and six is going to be it. Luckily, you had Wofford in there. Good for you. You got bowl eligible against Wofford. But that that was enjoyable. The, the whole North Carolina season has been a, a, just a real little treat for me, not to mention Notre Dame going 10-1 and likely going 11-1. And, and potentially in the college football playoff. Meanwhile, the Tar Heels, who are supposed to be something special, are just, they're not. They're not special. So, all right, that's your college football, however long that was, five minutes. <laughs> now let's get into the complete and total domination of Georgia Tech at the hands of the Notre Dame football team. The Notre Dame senior class, who is now the most winningest class in Notre Dame football history because they just keep raffling off 10-plus win seasons. Uh, that game was fun to watch. Uh, granted, I didn't watch it in its entirety one time. I watched the first half. Then I went and watched my son play baseball. Then I came back, started to watch it. Then we ended up doing family stuff. And Sunday, I was going to watch it. But we had to do some uh, running around and traveling Came back, started to watch some of it Sunday night, and eventually I got through it last night. So, <laughs> two days after the game, I got done, yes. And I'm glad I did, because I saw some things that are worth mentioning. So, because I could have easily just said, well, I knew the final. You know, I, I, I watched till halftime, I knew it was 45 nothing. So I figured, well, let me see what the final was, and I knew the final. So I could have just said, I don't even need to watch the second half. Like, what could I possibly add to this? And there were some things worth worth adding. So, all right, let's get into the details. First off, no green jerseys. There was a report about green jerseys. I got excited. I put on the green jersey, and there were no green jerseys. Kind of disappointed. So, we start off me... Feeling like, what? But then it was smooth sailing from there. Opening kickoff, right out the box. Chris Tyree, pass midfield, fantastic. First play, Kevin Austin, huge play, wide open. All the shit we've been asking for all season, they're finally doing it all. The deep crossing route, do it. Use all your weapons to confuse the defense and leave somebody wide open. Ta-da! But then we did the... The fun thing where we take two sacks and kill the drive and kick field goal. So, that's the only blemish. We still got points, so I can't be upset. I mean, and we won 55 nothing. But that first drive, like, the, the two sacks were not awesome. So, it starts off great. But I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking about our defense, the reason there's a zero on the scoreboard. 
and Isaiah Foskey. That dude is is a special football player. I'm hoping he sticks around, but guys, don't be shocked if he decides to go pro. I'm hoping he doesn't, and not even selfishly. I just, I think he could come back and and improve where he's going to go because I don't think he's stood out nationally the way he possibly could. Like, if he were to come back next year, I think he would go from a fringe first round to, you know, a top 15 pick. Uh, that, I don't know, I'm not Mel Kuyper Jr. or Todd McShay or anybody like that, but I do think that he's not one of those guys that, well, he's kind of, that's where he's going to be. He's going to be late first, maybe, but likely second round draft pick. I think he could easily be a first rounder, like a solidified first rounder, should he come back. You know, but he was, I say responsible for, but he was responsible for both of our defensive touchdowns. Because without Isaiah Foskey, Jack Kaiser doesn't get a ball handed to him. Like, it surprised Kaiser. Kaiser was like, whoa, football, done. And then. The MTA play, which was so exciting. Again, that was in the second half. Thank God I tuned in for that. Um, the MTA uh, touchdown, which was so fun to watch. Good for him. Senior going out on top with a touchdown. Just awesome, awesome, awesome moment. But Foskey causes the fumble. So, I mean, he only had three tackles and a sack. But he was a disruptor. He was a problem. And... The, the guy is good. You know, Foskey plus Kaiser equals touchdown. Foskey plus MTA equals touchdown. Yeah. Without Foskey, MTA and Kaiser don't get the glory of uh, crossing the goal line with the football. And we just gave Georgia Tech so many fits all game. You know, they, they even early in the game, they went from 3rd and 2 to 3rd and 12. Because they false started. And I can only imagine that's because Foskey's already been giving them trouble. Which, on the real quick, on the Kaiser touchdown, I know you guys saw it. They had a tight end blocking Foskey. That's hilarious. I don't I don't know if you, you're not watching the same film we see on Saturdays. But using a tight end to block Isaiah Foskey is probably not going to be in your best interest. Just saying, Stanford, don't use your tight end. Or do use your tight end. That would work out for us. But that didn't work out for them. But they, they false start. You know, they're, we're already in their heads. Then after the false start, they got to delay a game. I, that, I, I, I'm just sitting there going, just being objective. That would infuriate me if Notre Dame did that. How, it's not like you... We've done it out of a timeout, guys. We know this. We are good at that. We'll come out of a timeout and get a delay of game. But here's the thing. like Coming out of a timeout, you're, everybody's over on the sideline. you got to run back out. you got to get in position. And maybe you spent too much time on the sideline talking to coach, whatever, and the play clock's run down. You have no idea. A false start, you could literally just reline up and call the same play. They're not a, a 
Yeah, yeah, after the false start. You can just line up and call the same play if you wanted to. But everybody's on the field in a position to run a play. How do you let 40 seconds tick away? Or is it 25 after a time uh, a penalty? I don't know. But that was funny. I'm like, how? You guys are already on the field, like, ready to run a play. How do you get a delay of game? Whatever. That happened. Um, yay. We just gave them fits all day. They didn't know what to do. Yates had zero time. That guy got obliterated. Thank God he can run a little bit. Because if he was Jack Cohn, right, we only got six sacks on the day and ten tackles for loss. That could have been ten sacks and fifteen tackles for loss. Uh, it they had they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. They had ninety six yards passing. 128 yards rushing, and most of those rushing yards came in the second half after they were already down 45 nothing. I don't even know what the halftime stats were. I forgot to pay attention, but they weren't good. Uh, they end up with 224 total yards of offense. Just for, for 224 total yards, Notre Dame ran for 212. Our rushing offense almost eclipsed their total offense. They, they couldn't do anything. And Gibbs, and I realized they didn't have Jeff Sims, okay? I get it. But just like last, uh, last week with Virginia, it's still the Division One Power 5 team. Like to hold Virginia to three points. And by the way, my my calling out Brendan Armstrong, well, he didn't play, but what about our defensive guys? They didn't play either. Kind of lost a little bit of steam when Brendan Armstrong went for 487 and three touchdowns this past weekend. Like, Maybe he is a little bit valuable. I still think Notre Dame would have won. I don't know if it would have been 28-3. to But again, we could have scored a lot more points too. So maybe we still win by 25. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, yeah, Jeff Sims was out. But he hasn't exactly been Brandon Armstrong. So I don't... Do they score some points with Jeff, Sim- Jeff Sims under center? I don't know. But Yates had zero time. And I don't know how much of a difference... Sims back there, because Yates is pretty mobile, as you saw in that big run before he got sacked and uh, fumbled and MTA took it for a touchdown. Guy can move. But Gibbs was their guy. He was second in the country in all-purpose yards per game. 168 yards a game. Just He's the do-all, man. He had 58 yards rushing and no catches. So, and the... With no catches, you get no yards receiving. He was their leading receiver and their leading rusher. And in that game, he was their leading rusher. But obviously, you can't be your leading receiver if you don't catch the ball ever. So, But he had 58 yards rushing. However, because it's all-purpose yards, he did have 64 return yards. So that actually bumped him up to... The number one spot in college football for all-purpose yards per game. 122 was enough to get it done because the guy who was number one was a Utah State's Devin Tompkins. Only had 67 yards against Wyoming. So Gibbs did absolutely squadoosh against Notre Dame, but he now leads the country in all-purpose yards per game because of the return yards. And, I mean, shit, it... If you give up 55 points, you're going to get opportunities to return the ball. So, cool. I never... I say I never, but 
the all-purpose yards, I think, loses some value when you get a lot of your yards on the return game because your defense sucks. Um, it should be just rushing and receiving, personally. But or I guess that would be yards from scrimmage. That would be the not the all-purpose yards, but the yards from scrimmage. And, but at the same time, I mean, the guy uh, does a lot, except when he plays Notre Dame, he doesn't do very much. And again, if, if Notre Dame doesn't score 55 points, he may not even have the opportunity to get any return yards. So, But good for him. He's leading the country now in all-purpose yards per game. Congratulations. Uh, but our defense just bottled them up. They couldn't do anything. It was It was fun to watch. And I expect the same next week. And I'm probably going to end up betting Notre Dame to beat Stanford by the 17 points because who uh, Cal just beat Stanford 41 to 11. So if Cal is beating Stanford 41 to 11, well, I'd like to think Notre Dame could do the same, at least. Right? So, we'll see. Great job, defense. There's not, I can't say much more. Everybody got in the action, too, by the way. You know, everybody was playing. That, that was, that's, what, that's what Senior Days, I said, that's what Senior Days is about. You want to win the game, but you want to honor the seniors and uh, when the opportunity presents itself, like a 55 to nothing game, you get all your seniors in there and get people to make plays. Names that you don't really see on the stat sheet most times. It it was cool. You know, everybody was on the field. You, numbers you see are like, who the heck is that? You're looking up on the roster. Because you don't know the numbers off the top of your head. So that was that was great. Everybody got to participate and, and get their time and get their chance. Really cool. Really cool stuff. So... I've already talked about 14 of our points from the defense. So let's talk about how our offense put up 41. And I said Notre Dame would score. I thought we'd win 40-17. to 17. That was my prediction. I didn't factor in defensive touchdowns. So offensively, we did exactly what I thought we would do. Score 40 points. But we got to 55. 50-burger. 50 Thank you, defense. Exciting times. But what can you say about our offense? Efficient, efficient, efficient. I mean, that that's it. Nobody had huge numbers. There was no, like, eye-popping statistics. I mean, Cone was only 15 to 20 for 285. I mean, how efficient is that? It's not C.J. Trout, CJ Shroud efficient because, well, that's not fair. <laughs> what that dude did to Michigan State is insane. But 15 to 20 for 285. I'll take that all day. I don't, he doesn't need to throw for 360, 400 yards. If you're going 15 to 20 for 285, perfect. Doing, and I know he took the two sacks, and that 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 sucks. We, 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 he's got to figure out a way to not eat the ball. But at the same time, in certain situations, he's, sometimes you just got to take a sack. But he just takes him. In way, in t- at times where I'm like, you could have thrown that away. But 15 to 20, 285, perfect. And then 
nobody had more than 67 yards rushing, and that was Tyler Buckner because he had a 68-yard run. Yeah, that he took a couple sacks. Uh, but the second leading rusher was Estime. Go figure that out. 61 yards. How fun was that guy to watch? And he did his best Diggs impression. I did love that. He tried to hurdle the guy and almost had it, but he's not Diggs or Najee Harris for that matter. But just look at if you look at the stats, guys, there's nothing huge. Nobody jumped off the page. Kyron Williams, a very efficient 56 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He makes things look so easy. Looks, makes it look so easy. I love it. And Michael Mayer, you know, three catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. He makes it look easy, too. And he was wide open. But again, play design. Tommy Reese, fill up the bingo card with those plays, with the Kevin Austin uh, deep crossing route. Michael Mayer, right up the seam. Nobody guarded him. I could have made that pass. But it's all set up with using your weapons to move the defense around and create space for guys like Kevin Austin, like Michael Mayer. And all that leads to being up 24-0 after one quarter. I mean, like you couldn't have played it any better. You score a touchdown on the first drive. That's how the only way you could play it better. But 24-0 after one. You're already covering the 17 points, which had me kicking myself because I waited too long to try to bet it, and I missed the opportunity. I said I wasn't going to bet it because I don't like big spreads. But then as we got closer and closer, then I found out Sims wasn't playing. I was like, ooh, i got to bet this. But I missed the boat. Son of a bitch. Happens. Uh, But as the game's going on, everybody's just flashing. Diggs, dude, guys, Diggs and Estime and Tyree, our running back room looks pretty freaking awesome. I mean, on that screen pass, and Diggs is learning so he's so obviously coachable, and he learns because there's a if you're not paying attention to the number on the jersey and and who's actually at running back, Diggs is running a lot like Kyron Williams. I mean, even the the play that he hurdled the Virginia guy, he had some patience, broke a tackle, stiff arm, looked like Kyron Williams. His patience, his patience running, very Kyron Williams-esque. Like, Williams is one of, he's just so calm and patient. Like, nothing is rushed. He's completely under control. Diggs is showing those same attributes. On that screen pass, he could have caught it and just took off like a bat out of hell. Probably would have gotten tackled. He slowed down just enough, let the blocker get in front of him. Boom, boom. Right up the sideline, touchdown. And even uh, that, he had to break a tackle to get there. But our future looks so bright, you know. And then right before the the half, we get that we did what I said we should have done last week. But granted, there was a little bit more time. And I'll be fair, it was like four minutes ago. So obviously you still have to run your offense. It's not a minute 16. But right out the box, boom, 51-yard pass to Kevin Austin. Like, that's awesome, awesome, and great play by Kevin Austin. Then we move the ball down and punch it in with Kyron Williams with, what, minute and a half to go in the half? And we're up 38 nothing, or sorry, 45 nothing at the half. 
And then that's when I was like, shoot, I got to go. And I, I'd say I was late, but if I was the coach, which I do coach, and I had one of my kids who I asked to help me out, <laughs> shows up 10 minutes before the game, or maybe he's like 15, and I asked him to be there 30 to 45 minutes before. And But, hey, you know what? It took my son 10, 15 minutes of warm-ups, and the coach watched my my son play, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't talk to me. So I'm just, hey, you know, thank you for asking my son to help. Appreciate it. You know, he, he knows what to do. He knows wherever you put him, he'll play. He, he's, he can hit, he'll make contact almost every at-bat. Like, you can trust him. Trust me. Anyway, next thing I know, he's batting leadoff and playing shortstop. So I guess he didn't need the warm-ups. <clears throat> but, so I leave 45 nothing, And then in segments, I got to watch the second half. And it was Buck Wild time, guys. Shout out to Faithful Irish. Buck Wild, 68-yard run. And it it's so simple. That's what Tyler Buckner brings to this offense. It Obviously, he's not Chris Tyree or Lorenzo Styles or Braden Lindsey, so he did get caught, but he's a quarterback. It's fine. He had enough speed to get 68 yards downfield. I'll take it. You know, that was great. Unfortunately, it ended in a field goal. That's not ideal. You want to uh, punch it in. But even that third down play, it was kind of a, a nice quarterback draw design, and he just didn't quite break the tackle. But he's a tough runner. He's a good runner. He needs more opportunities to throw the ball, and we did do that w- with him. And it, it's going to get better, but I I want to – see the same thing next week. I want, I'm not saying 55 nothing, but a lead to where you can just let Buckner run the offense. The game's in hand. Because I I think, and uh, shout out to, I'm sure a guy you guys all listen to and know and love and enjoy, uh, Always Irish, you know, he said, and I agree 100%, that we're at a point where I don't think playing Buckner as much as you want, is going to cost us the game. I don't think we're there. I don't think it's a situation where, like, can't play Buckner, that's, we're going to lose. I, I don't see that. Maybe when we're talking college football playoff, you know, maybe that's a conversation where you kind of like, you yeah, know, well, what could we do? What should we do? But, <clears throat> you know, uh, Georgia Tech and Stanford <clears throat> are not Georgia <clears throat> or Ohio State or or any other college football playoff team. So play Buckner. Give him opportunities because the thing is, he wants he wants to make plays. And I love that about Buckner. He wants to make the play. But he needs I wish he had a little bit of Jack Cohn in him. And I it sounds funny saying that. But there are times where he just needs to take the sack. I know I get on Cohn for doing it, but it's because Cohn's holding the ball and whatnot. Buckner's moving around, and he's still learning, so he ends up holding the ball, you know, as long as Cohen. But, again, he's a freshman, so his progressions aren't going to be as quick as you would expect from a senior like Jack Cohn. But he's just got to take some sacks because I this year, again, versus Georgia Tech, versus Stanford, probably not going to be a huge uh uh-oh, but... 
Next year when he's the guy, we, 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 he's got to get that out of him. He's got to have an understanding. Like Sometimes you're just going to have to live to fight another down. And that means taking a sack. Don't When you have a guy hanging on you and a guy coming from your backside, don't try to throw the ball. Just hang on to it. It's okay. It's okay. We, we're not going to be upset with you. You're a freshman. We get it. We get it. So it was nice to see Buckner running the offense. There are some things that he can learn from. Because here's the thing. Buckner watching from the sidelines is all great, grand, and wonderful. But he is the future. Uh, we have to admit that, guys. Obviously, Drew Pine is never playing another down at Notre Dame. Maybe the word obviously is a bit too definitive. But he didn't see a single snap against Georgia Tech, guys. Like It was pretty obvious that Kelly said, here's our future. We need to get him all the reps we can get, which I fully support. But the fact of the matter that uh, like Cole Capen, the, the senior signal caller, and by signal caller I don't mean quarterback, he's the guy on the sideline with the headset and a red hat calling in the signals. Um, he got reps. And I know he's a senior at senior day, and that's awesome. You love seeing that stuff. Like uh, Albano getting a carry and you know all these seniors getting in uh, – they put certain guys just to hold the uh, extra point. It, all that stuff. Pine never saw the field. And it's unfortunate. I think the guy can play. He showed signs of being able to play. But at the same time, I think Buckner has the much, much bigger upside. So, he's the future. We, we, Brian Kelly made it obvious. I don't. If Pine doesn't transfer... Like, power to that guy. But credit to him if he wants to stick around and try to win the job still. Because who knows? Anything can happen. Maybe when, you know, Buckner doesn't progress, which I don't see that happening. I just, we've seen too much of what it could be, you know. And it's just like how I pick on the offense. Like, why are you doing this stuff? I know what you can do. You've shown me what you can do. Do it. Don't regress by choice. So we've seen what Buckner can do. And ideally, and what you expect to, is it gets better and more clean and more efficient. So he's probably the future, so he'll probably be under center. Well, hopefully in the shotgun, because he seemed to have trouble under center taking the snap. He did fumble that one too. But again, that's learning. And you know what? We can learn in a 55 to nothing game against Georgia Tech. We can learn all kinds of good stuff. And the best part about it, which I was trying to lead into, is it's going to be on film for him to see himself. Tyler Buckner can sit in a chair and watch Tyler Buckner and see what he's doing correctly, incorrectly, what uh, he might have missed. Like Having it on film for a football player is much, much more valuable than watching someone else do it. Without question. Because he can... You know, recollect that play when he was in, like, get mentally back into that play and go, you know, like, okay, yeah, here's what I saw in the moment, but now that I see it on film, like, oh, okay, I should have gone here, I should have done this, I should have, like, that 
has so much value. So we need to do it again in Palo Alto. We need to get him that experience because that just has so much more value than getting Cone all the reps. Cone's gone after this year, guys. He's gone. So give Buckner all the opportunities to to play the game and play quarterback. So when we go to Columbus, Ohio, opening day next year, he's not unfamiliar with this offense and you know running the plays and doesn't have anything to reference. You know, let's give him all that cha- all those chances. Now. When we beat Sanford and go 11-1, and and when all the chips fall perfectly for us to make the college football playoff, I think we need to see a happy mix of Cone and Buckner. Just because Buckner has shown those freshman mistakes that can cost you in a college football playoff game. And yes, Cone has made some mistakes, but we can't deny that when we're running the offense that works for Cone, that up-tempo, fast pace, you know, uh, effectively an efficient offense, Cone can do it. But we also need uh, a little sprinkle of, you know, a change of pace. And, and Buck, Buckner and the Buck Wild package brings that. So uh, going forward, the rest of this season, next week, Stanford as much Buckner as you can put on the field to give him those opportunities because I do suspect we're going to win this game coming up. And I'll try to do it real quick. I'm going to try to do a preview. I'm not making any promises. I'm home this week with the kids. In fact, I'm recording this as we speak at 8.45 in the a.m. I'm home with my kids this week. we got Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving. I don't know what we're doing on Black Friday. I don't know if we're shopping, what, but I just a lot going on. So I may not have a Stanford preview. But here's what you need to know: their rush defense is god awful. They give up like I think 200 yards a game, and we just ran for 212. Like it, we're gonna win this game, guys. Okay, we're gonna cover the 17. Go out and bet it <clears throat> if you can bet and you can find. A number below 20. <clears throat> Just do it. We're going to win. So uh, I'm like, it's like 90% not going to get a Stanford preview in, but I will be watching the game. So uh, I apologize if you're looking for a Stanford preview from 5 for nothing, 100 nothing. My bad, guys. But going forward, we need Buckner to get a lot of playing time against Stanford because we will be up big and <clears throat> it will be. An opportunity for him to play. And then the college football playoff scenario, we need to do what works. No no more. You know, it's not Georgia Tech, it's not Stanford. We can't well, we gotta get this experience, that experience. No. Play to win the game. I'm gonna go back to that. If if we're in the college football playoff, my message will be play to win the game. No, no checking off boxes. No making sure all your bingo spaces are filled. It's played to win the game. Because that's where this season is. Tra- the I didn't think 11-1 and one would be college football playoff. I didn't. I said, 
way back in uh, January. It was January 26th. I said it again in May. <clears throat> I thought we'd go 11 and 1, but I thought 11 and 1 would be New Year's 6, and not because <clears throat> 11 and 1 isn't good enough for the playoff. I just thought there were going to be a, too many teams that were similar to Notre Dame in terms of record, if not better. <clears throat> you know, like maybe an undefeated Clemson. Again, this is preseason, okay, guys? But I thought like an undefeated Clemson, maybe an undefeated SEC uh, champ, Georgia, Alabama, whoever, um, Ohio State. Like the Notre Dame at 11-1 and one just didn't seem likely because the quote-unquote tiebreaker probably would have been that we don't have a conference championship game. I, it is what it is. But that's what my thought process was. At 13th data point, that because we don't play the Sisters of the Poor, you know, sorry, but I got some, I think, I don't know if I said it on this show, but some idiot, you know, because Notre Dame played uh, Georgia Tech and Stanford, and some Auburn idiot fan was like, man, I wish, wish we played two, three, and seven teams. Like, that's not fair. We don't get to play two, three, and seven teams to finish out our season. Uh, let me look at Auburn, though. They get they get real tough games. I mean, I, I feel bad for Auburn. I mean, they got to play Alabama. Surely, that's not fun. But when you lose to South Carolina, do you really have any room to talk? But as I said to that gentleman, I said, fine. I tell you what, we'll give you Georgia Tech and Stanford every season going forward. As long as we get to play Alabama State and Georgia State every season going forward. Like, does that sound fair? Because, yeah, Georgia Tech and Stanford are down this year. And it works in Notre Dame's favor. We can't help that. But there is a chance Georgia Tech and Stanford are good. Like, there's a chance they're a team that can compete. There is no chance in God's green earth that Alabama State or Georgia State is competing with Auburn or Notre Dame, or Georgia Tech, or Stanford. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, just shut up. <laughs> so, but, uh, see now, it's, watch it for the change and try to keep up. I lost my damn train of thought. The, the train has gone off the rails. But we got to finish the season strong, play to, play to win the game, but make sure we can utilize the Stanford game to get experience and get ready for whatever the postseason brings us. That's right. I didn't think 11-1 and one would be good enough because of all the other factors. But it looks like, again, it's not exactly how I drew it up, but it looks like it's going to be good enough because of all the mayhem and things that have happened around us. You know? So, I guess tune in tonight. I see where Notre Dame lands, and uh, I'm sure we're all going to have our opinions, but <clears throat> I'll say it again. The final ranking is the one that matters. These rankings leading up to the final one should be an indicator <clears throat> of what the final rankings might be or could be or should be, but every week it's something new. We know it is. We've heard it One, you know, from... Uh, uh, put aside watching the games on the field to 
there was another uh, statement that Barta made that just like, did you really just say that? Like how, how can you apply that logic to this? But you know, and I know there's going to be things that don't make sense, but here's, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. We already, you, you know what one, two, three, four is, right? Like we know that, right guys? Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. That's your top four. <clears throat> That's going to be your top four. It's going to be Georgia, Bama, OSU, Michigan. Now, what do those four teams have in common? They play each other. So that top four can't be the top four at season's end. It's impossible. Now, Alabama and Georgia could still be in the top four. That's feasible should Alabama beat Georgia and they decide that Alabama at one loss and Georgia at one loss both deserve to be in. But they're not going to be one and two at season's end. That's impossible. They cannot be one and two. I'd be shocked if they're one and two. Then, this weekend, Ohio State and Michigan, That I think it's this weekend, right? Yeah. They, they are going to decide like who goes where. Uh, is Michigan sticking around or is Ohio State sticking around? Because one of... One of them is out and done. They're going to have two losses. They're done. So then Cincinnati will be five. Notre Dame will be six. And again, it just goes back to all the teams in front of us or right behind us have to play each other. And while we don't have another win to put in our cap, it would be nice if Wisconsin continues to win. That would make that win look better. Um, and honestly, I'm at a point where people are saying, well, Cincinnati needs to win out to, you know, because then if, we, if Notre Dame lost to Cincinnati, who lost to, I guess, Houston, uh, I don't think it matters. I, I don't. I just, if Cincinnati loses, I think that's better for Notre Dame because we'll jump them. We've looked better. We've looked much better than Cincinnati recently. So, you could argue that Notre Dame, again, putting aside the game on the field, which is a crime to say as a Notre Dame fan, because 1993 did in fact happen. Like, yeah, this is 1993 all over again with the whole putting aside the results on the field. Now, it worked out that it's no longer an issue between Michigan and Michigan State because Michigan State got destroyed by Ohio State. But, you know, I... Anytime I hear, well, it doesn't matter what happened on the field. I just think of 1993. And I know everyone listening, even you, Beef, and Marty, and Locks, who are not Notre Dame fans, I know you all know what happened in 93. So it's hard for me, and it's ridiculous for me, to say, we'll put aside the results on the field. But again, I'm also trying to think like the committee does. Because that's what you have to do here. It's not what you think or what you believe. Because I Cincinnati beat us. They went undefeated. There, there's no reason for me to sit here and go, well, we should be in front of them because, just because. Unfortunately, that's the committee. They should be in front of Cincinnati just because. Because they're Notre Dame. Because the stats at the end of the season might look better. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
fact of the matter is they beat us on the field. So how does that make any sense? I, I'd feel bad for Cincinnati. Uh, I'm, I'm not an asshole. <laughs> I'd feel bad for Cincinnati. Am I going to take the college football playoff berth if it happens that way? Absolutely. But I wouldn't entirely agree with it. And any slander and shit that gets thrown at us from Cincinnati fans is probably deserved. But it's not on us. It's not our fault. They need to take their shit and throw it at uh, the college football playoff committee. You know, But the, the end of the season will be interesting. I don't know where it'll end up. But just go out Saturday night, beat Stanford, win big, and... Then get married on December 4th. Oh, wait, that's just me. Um, yeah, so when you got, when I'm getting married, you guys will be watching all the championship games, and hopefully there's carnage and fireworks and all the things we need to make it a foregone conclusion that Notre Dame will be in the college football playoff. Because that... I will tune in for those rankings. I will tune in for because those rankings are the final rankings that will decide the four, and it'll be it'll be crazy to see where Notre Dame goes. All right, I can go on forever about that. It, probably because it's morning and I already had my coffee and I'm I'm just on go mode, but I've rambled uh, enough. But thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And real quick. You guys are going to have to shorten up. My Twitter handle <clears throat> is kind of long. I know that. At 5 foot nothing pod. Find me on Twitter. At 5 foot nothing pod. Uh, you can also shoot me an email. 5 foot nothing pod at gmail.com. But so my Twitter handle is kind of on the long side. But um, you guys are going to have to fi- recreate, like, uh, Brandon Fry, BIF underscore 13, Biff 13. That's perfect. I need a bunch of those. Because I have too many people that want to be a part of my Irish Car Bomb pregame routine. And there's not enough characters on Twitter to fit everybody in. So we're going to we're gonna have to figure something out. Uh, uh, maybe I'll just post it, then quote tweet it, tag some more people, and just kind of make a chain of that. A bunch of quote tweet chains to get everybody included. But I'm so glad everybody's loving that because I love it. It's fun. And then we get Jimmy with his... Shot at JMO or whatever he's downing pregame. It's fun. We're a drinking bunch. Yes, at Faithful Irish. We are the noisy table at every place we go to. So soak it in, live it up, and go Irish. All right. Thank you, guys. Like I said, very, very slim chance I get a Stanford preview in. So... Until we talk again, go Irish, beat Cardinal. Five foot nothing, hundred nothing, out.